Good morning, Church at Newtown Road. Welcome to our online service. We are glad that you've decided to join us. Um, my name is Tyler. I'm the Youth and Families Pastor. And although this isn't ideal, we are glad that, uh, that we're able and have the ability to do this. To God be the glory. We hope that you enjoy and are encouraged by this morning's service. Uh, I've got a few announcements as we kick off the morning. Uh, and so, uh, first of all, there should be a communication card. And we've gone over this for the last couple weeks, but uh, we wanted to let you know again, if you're a visitor or you've been at the church for years and years, we would love to know that you are present this morning uh, and that you're here. And so fill out that communication card, let us know some basic information, and that would really help us as a church out uh, as we go back and look. And so uh, thank you for that. And then we want to remind you that our family devotions are Wednesday nights at 6.30 on the Church at Newtown Road's Facebook page. And so if you can and join us for that as my family and I, uh, we share some highlights of what's happening around our church and then uh, give you a passage to read through as a family. And then I want to say thank you for what you've done to help serve and be good neighbors to the people around us. The Shelters of Saratoga uh, is a neighbor and is a partner with us, and we've done an amazing job helping them and serving them and partnering with them. But I want to encourage you that we have a bin right outside our office, and if you can continue to bring food items in for that bin, that would be a wonderful way to love our neighbors. And so without further ado, I'm going to pass this on to Pastor Matt, and uh, thanks again for joining us this morning. Pastor Matt. Thank you, Tyler. It is so good to be here at the church building today. Um, I assure you, it's empty and it feels weird preaching to an empty room, but uh, we miss you guys like crazy. But it does feel a little bit normal just to be on our stage this morning. Uh, quick note for you today, uh, something that we, we sometimes forget about is our, our uh, online giving. So as every Sunday when we gather, we uh, offer to the Lord our tithes and our offerings out of obedience and worship. And so if you are interested in giving and supporting the work of uh, the church at Newtown Road, you can find the link to our online giving platforms right in the comments of this video. I want to encourage you, Newtown Road, you guys have been so faithful in your giving. Uh, we are just blown away by what God's doing in providing for the needs of our congregation and into the community through your faithfulness to give. So continue to give faithfully, and we'll continue to watch what the Lord does as he um, brings fruit from that. Another thing, today is Mother's Day, and some of you are like, oh no, I forgot, but now's a good time to look at your mom and tell her Happy Mother's Day. So to all you moms out there, Happy Mother's Day. For all of you each year who are constantly lamenting that your Mother's Day schedule is just a little bit too full, I give to you Coronavirus Mother's Day. You have nothing to do. You can't go anywhere. I hope you enjoy yourself. This is your opportunity, and enjoy your special day. If anything, that the coronavirus virus lockdown has taught us, I would say that it has taught us that our mothers are essential personnel. Your work in your home um, has likely never been more important, moms, more critical as it is right now, as we've all been chased into the confines of our houses. You see, in addition to all of the endless duties and normal responsibilities that you carry, you have now also become educators at all levels. 
You are guidance counselors. You have become administrators. You are IT specialists. You are Zoom experts. You become sanitation engineers and personal trainers and short order cooks for all of the many ways that you serve your family and your children. We just want to say thank you. We honor you today. We praise God for his provision in our lives through each of you. And just a word of of pastoral encouragement to you mothers this morning as an observer. I personally think it might be more difficult for you to do your job today than it has been for mothers in a very long time. There are so many interesting challenges you face raising a family in today's era. So many crushing expectations that you quietly carry with you. Expectations that you bring to the table, expectations that your family brings to this situation, expectations that are rooted in a culture that is uh, rebellious against God. And sometimes after we carry all those expectations, it feels a bit too much. As you make your way through all of that, it may feel to you sometimes that you're unable to keep up with it all. And it may feel like you're everybody's help desk, but you begin to wonder if you're being very helpful at all. From where I sit in my seat as a, as a pastor and a church leader, I can see so many of my sisters in the Lord struggling under the weight of it all. I just want to encourage you moms out there today that in Christ, you have been given everything that you need to do the work that he's asking you to do. You are free to focus on his calling for your life and and let go of other expectations. In your weaknesses, you find his strength. And in your emptiness, you will experience his fullness. You are seen and known by God. And as you work and labor and toil unto him, none of it goes unnoticed. And if you'd allow me today, let me encourage you to set your goals and your aspirations on the foundation of God's word and not the shaky foundation of our culture's cheap definitions of what a successful mother looks like. To all of our moms out there, thank you for all that you do, and may God bless you on this special day. As we begin our service today, let's open in a word of prayer. Our Father, we thank you for the moms in our ministry. We thank you for the wonderful gifts that they are to us. We pray for your blessing on mothers and families around the Capital District and around the country who are watching online. Lord, we pray that you would strengthen moms in their calling today. Help them to realize the eternal weight of raising children. Help them to realize the sacred calling it is uh, to give their lives to raise up their young ones. Lord, I pray for those who are facing Mother's Day today without their moms, maybe even for the first time. We ask that you would comfort their grieving hearts. I pray for those who are facing the reality that the relationship they have with their earthly moms is strained and unhealthy. God, I pray that you'd give grace and that you would cover pain with love in those situations. I pray for those moms today who face this this special day with the disheartened, and discouraged posture because they've lost a child. And Lord, I pray that you would bring your strength and your presence to them as a healing balm to their broken hearts. Lord, we thank you for the gifts that our moms are to us. We pray that we would honor them well and that they would be blessed by this special day. As we open the Bible and study your word today, we ask that you would do what only you can do. That you would open our eyes, that you would open our hearts, open our minds, Help us to see and experience you through the pages of the scriptures. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
Well, this morning, Newtown Road, we are back in our study in the Gospel of Mark. And our study has taken us through the first seven chapters, and today we're getting the last portion of the seventh chapter. Last week, we saw Jesus healing a Syrophoenician woman, an outsider coming to faith in Jesus. And uh, God, in his mercy, was foreshadowing this great ministry that uh, the Gospel would move to the ends of the earth through the Gentile world as well. This week, we pick up in chapter 7 verse 31, and we see yet another miracle in Jesus' life, another place where Jesus is revealing and demonstrating the rule and reign of the kingdom of God right here on earth. So let's look at that passage. Mark chapter 7, verse 31 through 37. Then he returned from the region of Tyre and went through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee in the region of the Decapolis. And they brought to him a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment. And they begged him to lay his hand on him. And taking him aside from the crowd privately, he put his fingers into his ears. And after spitting, touched his tongue. And looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Ephphatha. That is, be opened. And his ears were opened, his tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. And Jesus charged them to tell no one. But the more he charged them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. And they were astonished beyond measure, saying, He has done all things well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. Now the passage that we're looking at this morning the healing of this deaf, mute man is actually only found here in the Gospel of Mark, not in the other Gospels. Although Matthew chapter 15 sets the stage for what happens here, this is the only place in the New Testament record where we see the precise details of this healing. And the first thing we look at is, once again, we see somebody in great need. In those first couple verses, he returned from the region of Tyre and went through Sidon. So remember last week, Jesus was out outside of the national borders of Israel in the region of Tyre and Sidon. And the route he takes to get to the Decapolis, which is on the southeastern shore of the Sea of Galilee, is a roundabout route. He actually goes north instead of south, which would be more direct. He goes north through Tyre, north farther into Sidon, some 20 miles north of the Israel border. And Jesus and his disciples now are working their way back down to the Sea of Galilee, it would have taken them a significant amount of time. John MacArthur, in his, in his treatment on this passage, suggested that Jesus offered this kind of like a walking seminar to spend more time with his disciples, training them for their ministry, which is certainly a possibility. Needless to say, though, they arrive at their destination, and it's called the Decap Decapolis, which sounds like a, a Marvel superhero city. It was a collection of ten pagan cities in the southeastern section of the Sea of Galilee, definitively in Gentile territory. The Bible says then that they brought to him, they, this an unnamed group of people, once again, the crowds are gathered. People are being healed and, for, and, and freed from their diseases and sickness. Like I mentioned, Matthew 15 gives a fuller explanation of the setting here without the details. But they, a group of people, bring this man to Jesus. How did they know that they should bring the man to Jesus? This is so great. Do you remember a couple weeks back we saw how Jesus had the power to cast demons out of the tormented man who lived among the tombs? The demoniac in the land of the Gerasenes. 
Remember, he, after he was in his right mind, he asked if he could come with Jesus and the disciples. And Jesus said no, that he couldn't come. And the reason he told him not to come, if you remember, was he said, I want you to, I'm going to send you into the region. You go tell other people what I've done for you. He told him to go and be a witness to the healing power of Jesus. And apparently he's done that. That's the region that he's in right now. Word had spread. Jesus, the miracle worker, was here. And as he returns, the people come to him and they bring with him the sick and the needy and those who are infirmed. And the Bible tells us about this man's condition. It says he was deaf, unable to hear. And the ESV says he had a speech impediment. And some versions say he could hardly speak. Or some say he was mute. Medical science being what it was at that time, there was little that anyone could do to help him. He needed something far more powerful than the medical in, um, wisdom of his day. And also it would be good to note here that he would have been an outcast. The Jews treated those who were deaf and mute among the ranks of the insane. You see, there was no way for them to know with certainty the level of their faculties, and so they were just categorized as insane. And the Gentiles were known to treat them even worse. An outcast for certain. But this man had some people in his life who cared greatly for him. They came and they begged Jesus to put his hand on him and heal him. These unnamed anonymous friends, anonymous to us, were convinced that Jesus' touch would bring healing to their friend. Not only did he have power from heaven, he also didn't abide by the notion that people were ceremonially unclean and therefore unable to be touched. So they came to him and said, Jesus, please heal our friend. And Jesus actually provides a miracle of healing. He responds to the request, though, in a very interesting way. If you look at verse 33, he takes the man by himself away from the crowd. But you see, rather than make a spectacle out of the man and make his healing some kind of show, he took the man aside one-on-one -on -one, to deal with him personally. And then he, then he does something really weird. He puts his fingers in his ears and he touches his tongue and... I have a bit of a confession to make. This is the first time that I ever remember teaching this passage. And so it's the first time that I've ever studied it in detail. I've read through it a lot, but I've, I've never paused to consider what exactly Jesus was doing. I just thought it was one of those uh, unconventional methods of healing. Like when he spits in the dirt and makes mud and he wipes it in the blind man's eyes. And so I've, I've always just read over it and not stopped to think about what he was trying to communicate and why. But this week, in study, was such an exciting time for me. Because here's what I saw through the help of some commentators and other Bible teachers. That Jesus, in touching the man's ears and touching his tongue, is speaking to him in a rudimentary form of sign language. At that time, there was no standardized way of communicating with the deaf man. So Jesus touched both of the man's ears to signify to him that he knew his need. And he spit and he touched the man's tongue, signifying that he understood the speech impediment. And then he looked up to heaven, signifying to the man that the help that he was about to receive came from heaven. And then he sighed deeply, a sign of compassion and of empathy. These four simple gestures were not just an unconventional means of healing. Jesus was communicating with this man in a way that he could understand. 
It was a sign of compassion. It was a sign of sympathy and empathy. It was a sign of connection. And then he says the words, the word, one word, ephatha, meaning be opened. And immediately the man was healed. With one word, he was instantly restored to health. His ears were opened and the impediment, the, the Greek word for impediment here is actually the same word used for a chain. As in a chain to bind a prisoner. And the chain was gone. The impediment was gone. The binding of his tongue was gone. And in a display of otherworldly power, the man can now hear and speak plainly. It's interesting to note there's no recovery time here. There's no crash course on speech therapy to help him pronounce words. This man, who up until now was deaf and mute, is now able to hear and speak plainly. This is a true miracle. An amazing miracle. But check out the response. Both from Jesus and the crowd. In verse 36, he basically says, Shh! Don't, don't say anything to anybody. You got to feel for this guy. Like, come on, Jesus. I, I haven't been able to speak forever. Now I can, but you're telling me I can't? That's the one thing I want to do is go tell everybody what just happened. I finally get that gift restored and I can't talk to anybody about it. But they, the, the, the healed man and his friends, they disobeyed Jesus pretty quickly. And I think we can all understand why. It wasn't out of a heart of rebellion. It was out of a heart of joy. This mute man was now shouting for joy. In fact, the more Jesus told them to be quiet, the more vigorously they were as they told the story. The Bible says in verse 37, Mark tells us they were astonished beyond measure. They were overwhelmed by all that they had just experienced at the healing word of Christ. And look what they say. He has done all things well. He succeeds and he excels at everything that he does. At the word of Christ, a restoring new creation act is brought forth. And the verdict is clear. This is good. And it reminds me of another place. Early in the Bible, where the word of Christ issues forth, bringing into being something that wasn't, and upon review, God declares that all of it was very good. This new creation in this man, this new creation that comes through the word of Christ, is perceived as evidence from the crowd that Jesus does all things well. He even can make the deaf hear and the mute speak. He has the power even to do that. Okay, so what? What does that mean for us? How do we take and receive and apply those truths today? Well, I'm glad you asked that question. There's a couple things I think we can see today. And the first is this. There's a note here about compassion and empathy. One of the things that stands out most in this story is the way that Jesus engages this man. We're told in the Old Testament that the Messiah who arrives wouldn't break a bruised reed. 
That he would, he would not extinguish a smoldering wick. That gentleness and tenderness would mark his ministry. And here we see him minister to this man with a sense of individual precision. That should be an encouragement to us today. In that, that our shepherd knows us. And with compassion and empathy, he addresses our needs. Not just in a general sense, but he addresses our needs in the most intimate and personal sense. He sees us. He is keenly aware of our struggles, of our weaknesses, of our failures, of our fears and our anxieties. Not only does he know them, but with that knowledge, he doesn't hide from us because we're too much of a burden to him. Instead, he moves towards us in compassion to care for us. Truly, the old hymn writer was right. What a friend we have in Jesus. He is a shepherd full of compassion and empathy. And that should encourage us today because we can all use a little compassion and empathy in our walk with the Lord. A second point of application that we can draw is there's a word here about these friends. These anonymous folks who brought their friend to Jesus. The simple truth here, the simple truth is that the vast history of God's activity on the earth is played out in the lives of anonymous but faithful servants. You see, we don't know their names, but the man who was healed never forgot them. And God knows them intimately and individually. You see, for us, that might seem foreign. So obsessed are we with making our mark, with garnering likes and shares, that we seldom do anything without recording, documenting, and sharing it for our adoring public. And the truth is that in the whole of church history, we really only know about a handful of names and stories. We only really know about the exceptions to the rule. But God moves through the faithful and humble servants, the unnamed and anonymous, to bring about his purposes and to reveal his matchless glory in the earth. A glory that he has said he will not share with anyone. The greatest in the kingdom of God have been the servants who have faithfully and humbly allowed themselves to decrease as Jesus has increased in their lives. And the same is true today. God is moving in great power through a vast army of humble servants who are willing to die to themselves and their own recognition and to hide themselves in the name of Jesus Christ. May God help us for the way that we are so eager for recognition and glory. But, but the biggest thing that this passage is saying is so amazing. At the beginning of Mark's gospel, it needs a little bit of a, of a background, so bear with me. At the beginning of Mark's gospel, you might remember that Mark defines Jesus' ministry for us. And he defines his message. Jesus went out to proclaim something very, very specific to the people. And his message was simple. It was this. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. In that way, Mark was rooting for us, Jesus' ministry, in the Old Testament prophecies about the Messiah's arrival. And Mark was trying to show us from the, from the opening pages of his gospel that what Jesus was doing was the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. That he is the Messiah. And this new kingdom that he brought would be the same as the one described in the Old Testament. 
And what was it that would mark this Old Testament prophecy of the Messiah? What is this new kingdom? What would it be like? Well, Isaiah 35, 5-7 is one of those places. If you have a Bible, you might want to jump back there. In Isaiah 35, verses 5-7, through Isaiah the prophet has talked about the judgment and the wrath that are going to come. But God is going to save. And he's going to restore through faith. Here's what he says in verse 5. Talking about the Messiah and this new restored kingdom that will come. Talking about the full salvation of the people of God. Here's what he says in verse 5. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. For waters break forth in the wilderness, and streams in the desert. The burning sand shall become a pool, and the thirsty ground springs of water. In the haunt of jackals, where they lie down, the grass shall become reeds and rushes. God would bring judgment for rebellion, but alongside judgment, God would provide salvation for his people, and this new kingdom would be unlike anything the world has ever seen. Isaiah says that the evidence of this new kingdom would be the blind would receive their sight, that the deaf would be able to hear, that the lame will leap for joy, and the mute will have their tongues loosed. Barren places will now become replaced by springs, and streams will flow where the desert sands once were. Green grass and springs of water will replace the desolate areas. The Lord is going to bring a restorative work. And what is it that we have seen from Jesus' ministry so far? We've seen him come announce the new kingdom. We've seen him saying that the time is fulfilled. We've seen him demonstrating the realities of this new kingdom. He has restored sight to the blind. He's healed the deaf. He's liberated those in bondage to evil spirits. He's given the lame the ability to leap for joy. The first seven chapters of Mark have shown us very clearly that Mark was intent on showing Jesus in the light of that new kingdom. But here in the passage is something that is just overwhelming. The man is described as deaf and mute. But the words that are used in this passage, in Mark chapter 7, are two different words. At the end of the passage, the crowd remarks, he even makes the deaf to hear and the mute speak. But the word that the crowd uses for mute is different than the word Mark uses to describe the man in verse 32. In verse 32, the word for the man with the speech impediment, the man with the, 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 the chain on his tongue, the man who could hardly speak, that word is unique to this spot in the New Testament alone. Nowhere else in the entire New Testament does any writer use that word. And so when that happens, you begin to think, wow, that's a unique word. And you start looking for other places. And what you find is, it's the only place in all the Bible that that word is used. But... The Jews of Jesus' day had a Greek translation of the Old Testament called the Septuagint. And in the Septuagint, that word for mute is only used one time in the entire Old Testament, translated into Greek, that they had. Any guesses on where it was? Isaiah chapter 35, in verse 6. When the prophet describes the transforming effect that Messiah's kingdom will bring. And he says, the mute will shout for joy. 
Mark used that word. Do you think that was a coincidence? Not at all. Mark uses that word clearly to remind his readers and to us that Jesus is exactly the promised Messiah. In, and in his presence, the rule and reign, the kingdom of God has come on earth. And in that kingdom, under the rule and reign of Jesus, all of the disastrous effects of sin can be overcome by the victory of Christ and there, in the rule and reign of Jesus, we can find the refuge, the safety, the healing, the comfort, the peace that we crave. The time is fulfilled, Jesus said. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. It is near in the person and the work of Jesus. The only reasonable response that we have to that truth is to repent, to turn away from our previous life and our efforts to clean ourselves up, turn away from the, the affections of our heart and the goals, of, and instead turn to Jesus. Repent and believe. The invitation is still open. Turn to Jesus, turn away from sin, believe in Christ. The story of the healing of the deaf mute man points us to some huge realities. That Jesus, the good shepherd, is compassionate and empathetic. He sees you, knows your name, knows your needs, and moves towards you with care. That the vast majority, secondly, the vast majority of Christian work is carried out by people who are willing to die to themselves and have their identities swallowed up in the glorious name of Jesus. And Christ himself is the Messiah of the Old Testament, the promised Son of God who has come to restore Israel, to establish his new kingdom, to open wide the doors to the Gentiles, to all who would believe. The question today is, have you trusted Christ for your salvation and your healing? Have you seen him for who he is? Have you repented and believed in the gospel? And if not, why not today? In the quietness of your living room, why not today? Make that commitment to the Lord to turn away from the previous life that you've been living and turn to him in faith, believing on him, the good shepherd who came to seek and to save the lost. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the work you're doing in our church and through your word. We thank you for its power and its precision. Thank you for the way that it, it pierces us and cuts us to the heart. Lord, thank you for the way that you can apply these truths and these principles to our lives day after day through the power of the Spirit. I pray that today we would be a church that wrestles with and embraces the empathy and the compassion of Jesus and help us to be compassionate like you. Lord, I pray that we would be willing to die to our own glory and our own reputation so that your name would be great in the nations. Help us, God, to stand against the trends of our culture. Help us to be content to be in the background, if that's what you call us to. Help us to find joy in our decreasing while you increase in us. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to carry the message of the, the, the Son of God, the message of the new kingdom, the message of the Messiah. Help us and strengthen us to carry your gospel around the capital district and around the world that people might be set free that the lame would leap, that the blind could see, that the deaf would hear, that the mute would sing for joy again. God, I pray that through the power of your gospel, you would take desolate and barren places and instead turn them into oasis and, and paradise. 
God, I pray that you would give us that gift to see the effects of the gospel bear great fruit in our lives and in the lives of our loved ones. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, Newtown Road, thank you for joining with us again this morning. As always, it is a privilege and an honor to come into your homes these past weeks and to teach you the Bible. I pray for you guys regularly that God would sustain you and encourage you. I cannot wait until we're back together again. Uh, We'll keep you posted on those plans as they come together. And until we can meet together, stay safe, be hopeful, don't give up. Continue to be faithful in all that God is leading you to do. Happy Mother's Day to all of you out there. I hope you enjoy your special day. Until next time, we will see you later, Newtown Road. I love you guys. 